return to your seat for a moment. Uh, again, welcome to our worship service. I'm uh, Abutu Peter Joshua, is my name. I'm the presiding pastor of this local assembly. Now, usually, when we do our consecutive Bible reading, we do not run commentary. We just want to sit under the reading of the Word of God for your benefit. But I'm tempted to just do one or two commentary. You know, last week I did that, but let me just point to one or two, three things on Judges chapter 18 for your lesson. You can put that in your pocket. You see what is going on. As of last week, it was one man that uh, created idols and then brought in the priest of the Lord to superintend his own household idols. But you knew, you can see the progression today. What has happened now, it has moved from being a one-man transgression to a national transgression. The evil you tolerated privately will not remain private for too long. The evil and transgressions that you permit in a small local assembly over time will become the dominant theology. I hope that is clear. Secondly, you recall that the five men from the tribe of Dan, their first interaction with the priests, the hired priests of Micah, was that they want to check because the man was in possession of effort. Effort were the instrument of determining the will of God under the old covenant. And they asked him if their journey would be prosperous. Guess what happened? These priests, these wrong priests, with the carved image, with the metal image, and with the effort, discern that their journey will be prosperous. Was their journey prosperous or not? It was. It was. The fact that one certain preacher or prophet says something into your life and it happened does not in any way validate him as the voice of God. I hope you understand that. That something works does not make it right. You can make things happen through unrighteous means. Their journey became prosperous. That's why they hired him to become their national priest. Be careful. Because sometimes you can see a church and a pastor clearly not qualified to be a pastor or clearly not qualified to be called the church of God. But, say, eh, but his prayers are working for me. You are in danger. You are endangering yourself. If a pastor have two wives or divorce one, marry another one, sleep with everybody, but miracle is happening in his church, I can tell you, that is the synagogue of Satan. Even if people are pregnant, uh, barren women are carrying their miracle uh, <laughs> baby. That someone says something and it happens does not mean it originates from God. We must test every spirit, all spirit, through the lens of the scripture. Amen.
enough of my quarrel, no? I can go on and on. <clears throat> Turn to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and we'll rise to read the word of God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 alone is my contemplation, but I'll read from verse 1 to 6. Proverbs chapter 22, let's rise. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent sees danger and hides himself. But the fool go on and suffer for it. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Thorns and snares are in the way of the crooked. Whoever guards his soul will keep far from them. The six. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. O God, beyond all praising, we worship you today. We can only wonder at all the gifts that you give us. Clearly, the gift of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of having your word inscripturated for us, for our learning and instruction. We stand in awe of you. The entrance of your world giveth light and life. It giveth understanding to the simple. Breathe upon this holy assembly now and let the words of my mouth and let the meditations of my heart be acceptable now in your sight and before this congregation circumcise the hearts of your people and make it tender. Clear the cobwebs in their ear. Wash off all the foolishness that you've learned from our cultures and let your word take preeminence among us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please take your seat. If you are dehydrated and you are feeling a bit thirsty, if you raise your hand, the ushers will help you with a bottle of water or water from the dispenser, please, if, because the place can be warm sometimes. I trust God that I will be able to say what is in my heart concerning training up a child. The subject for 
our consideration today is train up a child. Train up a child is my subject. <clears throat> and before I get into the few points that the Lord wants us to listen to today, I want to put out two caveats that might be helpful for your edification. Because in my preaching, I will be emphasizing discipline, particularly when the scripture uses the word rod. And some of you that are modern, postmodern, homo sapiens may take trouble with the scripture when the scripture uses some terms that are not politically correct because the prevailing worldview in the days or in the age of postmodernism is a sandwich of a kind of unhealthy patriarchy or male chauvinism and neo uh, ultra feminism. I am not in your business today. I'm preaching the gospel. So that we don't go away and say, this pastor supports abuse. Children, child, I say, this pastor is a child abuser. Don't go there. I have four children. I'm counting. And uh, <laughs> What is that laughter for? <laughs> I practice what I preach. <clears throat> so let me, let me talk to you about child act. We live in a federation that is secular, at least our constitution, it's a secular constitution. So part two of the Child Rights Act, section three to 20, I'm talking about the child rights Acts of 2003 gives a lot of elaboration regarding child rights acts. So if you're an abuser of children, there's a lot to handle that. A pedophile, and, and then you, you, you say, you want to train your children the way your mama trained you in Otueke. The law will catch you here. Because the law is also domesticated in the FCT. And if there's a level of abuse you will meet upon your children that this church cannot might not be able to handle. We have at least five lawyers right in this church who help them, who help you move you on to face the law of the land. We have, we have zero tolerance for child abuse in any form, shades, and color. Are you with me? And I've been here for the past four years and I'm yet to meet parents that are child abusers. Of course, their wives have not reported them to me or their husband have not reported anyone to me about abuse. But if it comes on our table, be well assured, there's a level the church can come into an issue, but most issues that have to do with child rights, the ones that are reasonable, <laughs> the ones that are reasonable will push you to where you will answer your father's name. Don't abuse children. That's the first caveat. And as we celebrate children today, second caveat is that I, I, I want to be clear that I'm aware of the fact that among us, among God's people, 
And wherever you found people, there are families that are still trusting God for the fruit of the womb. I hope you understand that. So we also have sensitivity towards those who are trusting God for the fruit of the womb. It's not a big deal per se. It's not a big deal to a large extent. It's a big deal but not a big deal because in this fallen world, not all marriages are blessed with children after 12 month calendar. Eliezer, I hope you are with me. Even if you answer your father's name one million times, it is God that gives children. And don't be under any pressure. All these troublemakers, if they start saying, ah, five months, ah, nothing ever happened, is their bus- they are just busybodies, okay? Don't bother yourself. They will come when they will come. Sometimes it may take one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. I have seen marriage of 15 years before children begins to come. And there are some in the very, very minority that may not have the gift of children in this part of uh, eternity. Some may go to the route of IVF and whatever medical uh, remedy that's available. So we are sensitive and we understand the pain that comes when you are married and you are still trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And for them, we pray for them always and trust that the Lord in due season will bless them. Am I done with my caveat? So that when I'm so excited about, about children, uh, I understand some of the issues that... Uh, there are three or four things I want to bring to your notice. Looking at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And the first thing is the command to train. Look at it. Train up a child. That phrase, that line there is not a suggestion. It's a command. It's in the imperative in Hebrew literature. And uh, what it means is that when a thing is a commandment, you are not at liberty to adjust it, particularly if that commandment is from the mouth of the Lord and from inspired texts like the Holy Scripture. You are not at liberty. You cannot say, well, that was then, that is, this is now. No. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is set to heaven. What was good for Abraham is good for you in the now. It is a commandment of God. And this commandment to train a child hangs on two realities. First reality is creation. You recall that before Adam fell, God gave man instructions to work, to tend to the garden of Eden. Church, are you with me to this point? eh? So um, the idea of training, because the word tend in Genesis is the same root word where we have the word train. So Adam was a trainer, was in the garden of Eden to ensure that that garden was not just a garden growing up up by itself. That the garden of Eden would be a garden that does have the touch of human control so that things are shaped and under control. I mean, I actually wanted to give some example about gardens. It's just that it won't be, it won't, it won't be appropriate because 80% of you here don't even like love gardens. 
Those who like garden here are the, are the odd ones, okay? You don't, you don't do garden now. But you can imagine going to the back of people's houses and see garden. If the garden is not tend to, it grows out of control. That is the idea. That even before the fall, part of the responsibility, what we call the creation mandate that God gave Adam was to train and to subdue the earth. It's rooted. That if children even come, if children came through before the fall, Adam still could have been given the mandate to train them. I hope you are following what I'm saying. But secondly, this commandment is rooted in the fact and the reality of the fall. We are now falling and our situation is worse, is bad. And look at the way the scripture describes us. Of course, all of us were at one point children. Turn to Proverbs 22, verse 15. He said, folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of who? Turn to Proverbs 23. Verse 13 and 14. And it says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from hell. What that means is that by nature, we came into this world as candidates of hell by default. So, Training in righteousness, training that children may move in a particular direction, what this text called the way that they should go, is the irreducible minimum for a responsible family. Even Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, he said, We're all by nature, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, we're all by nature. Children of what? Of wrath. Psalm 51, verse 5, David is speaking, tells us that he was conceived in what? In iniquity from his mother's womb. Before children learn to mention your name, they are iniquity packaged in form of babies. And if I should quote Vodibokam, Vodibokam talks about children being vipers in diapers. And he said the reason why God makes children cute is that you will not kill them. And the reason why they are so little is that they will not have capacity to kill you. And uh, of course you can argue that out with Vodibokam. It's, it's not my quote. Uh, but see, they are, they are, you know, these, these little vipers in diapers I'm a father, I can tell you. But let's not go there today. But children, they can't allow children to behave the way they want. They cannot eat what they want. That's why they are called children. And the Hebrew word for children here, pardon, refers to children from age zero to about mid-teen, when they are pliable. I'll get there in a moment. That's why they are called children. So they can't do what they want. They must eat what mama cook. 
and they must obey their father. The command to train hands on two realities. The responsibility that flows out of creation ordinance and the reality of the fall. Secondly, the object of this training. Train up a child. I'm speaking. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Who is the object of this training? The child. The child. Who is a child? Nigerian constitution and the United Nations define children as those who are below the age of 18. So in our own laws, whoever is below the age of 18 is called a child. He's young, he's pliable, he's innocent, and he's a fool. That's what the Bible refers to a child. I mean, look at children. You, you know children. You were once children. Your foolishness. They will be naked when they should clothe, clothe themselves. They will run around, they eat sand. They put sand in their mouth. They do all kinds of foolish things. Of course, some adults eat sand. <laughs> some adults do foolish things. No, they do foolish things. They are children. The description of the word pydon is like a, a soft clay in the hand of of a potter. You know, if you see a potter, there's a clay, and then you are molding it. They are moldable. They are pliable. Children. And I'm saying it because sometimes some, like Andrew now, for instance, Andrew is the one that didn't service. He's not a child anymore. Though in Africa, his parents will still want to control him. He says, my son. And then want to pick hairs with his wife that the man is losing weight. What is your business? He's an adult. If he's not eating well, that is his own business, you know. For you now to begin to train Andrew now is late. In fact, too late. Too late. Children, pliable, fresh plants that you can trim. You, you can't trim a full-grown Iroko tree, can you? It's too, too big, too grown. Our brother here raised some some fishes at the back of his house. You know, there's a proverb in my language that said, a, a dry fish cannot be bent or smoked. Once a dry brother has smoked that catfish, he smoked. But while the fish is still fresh, you can, you can do whatever you want to do with the fish until the fish <laughs> pass through fire. The object of this training is children. Thirdly, we look at the intentionality of this training. Look at the language. Train up a child in the way there is a pattern, there is a mold. And training, the idea of training in and of itself requires some level of intentionality. When you go to gym or school or wherever you find yourself, training is not done haphazardly, except in a country like our own. Nothing is impossible here. What cannot happen in Nigeria 
does not exist. But there is a measure of intentionality, a written code, a path. And this path, this training requires tools and instruments. It's intentional. The Bible is clear. And the instrument for this training, if you read the book of Proverbs, are many words. Words spoken in season. Words spoken in season. To their ears. Teaching. Reading. And then rods. As we see the Proverbs 23 verse 13 and in 2 verse 23 or 15. Rod. And this idea of rod is both physical and spiritual. Okay? Some of the mistakes you would do for yourself is that, well, you go to something, three, they are rod and their staff, they comfort me. Uh, does God use physical rod? No, you are not God. See, it's both physical and spiritual. The rod intended here is actually itachi, rod. Like, like rod. Like rod. How many of you were flogged as a child? Raise your hand. Uh, so the rest of you are jabotas, eh? They were never flogged. You were a good boy all through, eh? You see. I don't know if you have forgotten some of the floggings. <laughs> uh, many of you are bad. We actually, we actually bad. Your dad suffered, eh? And the, the rod actually put some senses back into your brain, isn't it? The rod, the rod of correction. Some little koboko here, some little thing here, some cane. There must be some cane in the house, somewhere in the house. There must be some old, old use charging cable somewhere that everybody knows where he's hiding. We know. Intentionality was so that when Father said, if you do this, I punish you, I, he will punish you. Then someone will say, I will beat you, I will beat you, and you'll do nothing. There must be some cane somewhere that somebody got to be aware of that if I do X, Y, Z, if I don't do my homework, daddy come back, something will go down. There must be some rod. But most importantly is the rod of God, as God shared with us in the Holy Scripture, the spiritual rod, your words, your, your, your discipline, the, the, the memory. I recall my own days, my mother was a Sunday school teacher. And I, I was, as a young boy, I can remember what I did. Funny enough, when I was six years old, or even five years old, I was terrible. But innocence in the face, you know? And my mom will, the mom, I've told this story again and again. My mom will not punish me in the afternoon because he knows if he punish me, I will not eat. One of my weapons is that I, 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 I was transactional as a child. If you punish me, I'll blackmail you by starving myself so that my parents will start feeling guilty for punishing me. You know, clever boy, no? So my, my parents will be afraid to punish me next time because I might starve myself to death. That was my thinking. But my mom was clever with it. I will do all I want to do. She will feed me. She will do everything she wants to do with me. Then 4 a.m., 3.30 a.m., when we are not too close to breakfast and far from lunch. And then he's coming to your room, to your bedside with, with the Bible. And this Psalm 23, 
you read it. The Bible says, if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. I said, boy, do you know what you did yesterday? You did this, you did this, you stole money, you stole my pencil. I used to, my, my mom sells grocery stores. Now I know why my children don't come back home with their pen. I don't come back with mine. But I will take more of those pen and share to my friends in school. I don't know if you stole meat from the, and all of, all of you stole. <laughs> or put hand in, 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 in some soup and the soup goes sour. And then they are shouting, who put hand? Who put hand? And your parents know who among the children put hand, you know. You know? And then he will say it on the basis of the scripture. And then give you your hand. You know how parents start? Some parents start good, they say, give me your hand. You raise your hand, they flog here, they flog here. And then you start doing like this. The next thing, your head, your back, everywhere, start receiving the instructions. And then there's a, a recalibration of your senses. And this way, the idea in chapter 22 resonates with Matthew, the idea of uh, narrow way. There is this, this way is so narrow and it's in contradistinction to every other way out there. The way that we will want to go as against the way we should go. That is the idea. All children have an idea. Children as young as three years old have their own clever idea. The kind of school they want to go. They won't eat vegetables. I told my son, eat vegetables, eat carrots, it's good for your eyes. He said his eyes are seen. There's an idea. They won't eat vegetables. They won't finish their lunch from school. They won't listen. So there is a way that each children, and by extension, all of us must necessarily go as against the way we will want to go, naturally. You must prime the children and train them back into this narrow way called the way of righteousness and the way of knowing God. Calvin talks about the knowledge of God and, and the knowledge of self. And that was where he's quite Aristotelian. He said, the, between the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self, which one comes first? And the point of Calvin is that when you live on this earth, you must know God to know yourself. And if you don't know yourself, you can't know God. You must prime children towards the direction of knowing God. Sometimes the challenges with parents, is, with us parents, is that we lack tools and capacity. The, the, the lesson we ought to teach our children, we ourselves do not know. We are ignorant as them. We don't know the way of righteousness. We are still pagan thinkers, even though we are in church. We are syncretic in our worldviews. So our children can listen to our willow music, can do all kinds they ought to do with themselves, and then you delegate your responsibility to the teacher and to the Sunday school teachers. 
Because you too don't really know. You must have tools for this training. Fourthly, the reward of this training. If you look about the command of this training, the object of this training, the intentionality of this training. There is a way, there is a path that is clear against the path we want to go. The reward of this training. The Bible says, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. One of the translations talked about, used the word like two-edged sword. So about even when he's old, it will not depart from him. It means if a training in righteousness is correctively given, it latches itself to the boy's conscience. That even when the boy finds himself at one point in life in prison, that word will not depart from him. Church, are you following what I'm saying? That even when the boy becomes so incorrigible and is running around town with strange people, and then even while he is on top, scripture will be running riot in his head. Do your job as a father, as a, as a mother, and train them in righteousness. When they are old, they will not depart, and the word also will not depart from them. There was a caveat. Is it true? Is it always true that if a father does his job properly, all his children will be fine? Of course not. Because many of you are the example. Some of you are pastor's children that smokes. And your father taught you, <laughs> you are a believer, oh goodness, pastor suffer, eh? They were preaching to you, but... And I like what one commentator said. He said, this, this, this assurance that if you train, they will come out good, is in, rela this is, calm down. It's in relationship to the children that are elect. Let me explain. He said, because in our homes, at least we that have plenty of children, they are reprobates. So when we talk of reprobation, we don't think of our own children as, repro as, as, as reprobates. Okay, so it's possible to have four, five, six, seven children and three are saved, and four will not be saved. But the fact is that, knowing down in the back of your mind that it is God that saves, there's no amount of teaching that will bring children to faith. Salvation is of the Lord. But the way we don't know who is elect outside, you don't know among your children who is the elect of God. So you preach to them, you teach them, you train them with trust and with prayer that God will honor you, and then they will come out good. If at the, at the last analysis, one or two comes out not to be, well, that is fine. It is in the, in the hands of God. And sometimes, you see, brothers and sisters, you may think one of your child is not saved by the way they lived. And for you, you're the same child, now a pastor. Because until they die, you don't know the, the level of the hand of God upon their life. So train them. Do the needful. And prayerfully train them. Let me just run through a few points of application, then I'll be done. The first thing is my address to the parents. Do your job. Don't be lazy. Lazy parents. Don't think the, the school teachers, lesson teachers, Sunday school teachers. No. It is you that these babies were entrusted. And God will hold you accountable for how they will pan out. He says in his word, if you train these children in the way they should go, even 
when they are adults, they will not depart from. Do your job. Teach them how to use toilet. Teach them hand washing. Teach them respect. Teach them holy scripture. Teach them Bible memorization. Teach them the way of righteousness. Of course, you teach them by words and by action. You can't teach your children to be righteous while you yourself, the Pharisee. Some parents are like that. They abuse mom before the children. And they want the children to turn out to be not a wife bitter tomorrow. You know, how, how is that going to work out? But sometimes you, you fool yourself. So you lock yourself inside and beat yourself up. You know, children are very clever. What you think they don't know, they know. Mommy, why are you crying? Nothing. Did you, do people cry for nothing? You're already teaching them how to tell lies. But you can't tell them it's daddy. <laughs> you can't tell them. Nothing. And then they too grow up. At their teenage years, you ask them, what is going on? And what will be the answer? answer. Secondly, children, let me address you quickly. Listen to your parents. Your parents are God's gift for your good. All the children in the house, can you hear me? Ethan, can you hear me? John, can you hear me? All the children here, listen to me. Your parents are God's gift for you. Repeat after me. My parents. I can't hear my parents. Are God's gift. For my good. Therefore. I will listen to them. Good for you. <laughs> Are you listening to me, children? If you don't listen to your parents, you will damage yourself. You will damage yourself. Your parents will flog you. You not en- <laughs> they will withhold some benefit from you. And when they flog you, they are teaching you to be good. They don't want you to go bad. Don't see flogging as a bad thing. Children, look up. Look after me. Children, look at what I'm saying. You, look at me. Flogging is good for you. Because your heart is full of foolishness. Thirdly, for all of us, let's look at a, good, a great example. God is the example of a father, isn't it? God is the father of all of us. Look at his example. When Adam, his son, sinned, what did he do? What did God do to Adam? Did he say, well, as of today, this is my only child. I don't destroy what I create. If I send him out of the garden of Eden, what will he eat? Is that what God was saying? He told him, he said, the day you eat of the fruit of the garden, I will punish. Did he punish him? Did he clothe him? Yes. But did he punish him? 
Clothing and feeding should not stop punishment. And look at Jesus' son. God made sure he entrusted his own beloved son to the hand of human beings to train him. And the Bible says in the book of Luke that he grew in wisdom. He learned obedience through what he suffered. God is not a spoiler of people. If you are his children, he will discipline you. And when Jesus bare our sin upon himself, the rod of God came upon him without, without reserve. He drank the entirety of the wrath of God on the cross. And God turned his face away from him because of the sin he bore. God was not tolerant even though his son was innocent. Another example, Jesus was in the temple preaching and he didn't inform his parents and they traveled for three days without Jesus. And they have to travel back for three days again to find him in the temple teaching. And Mary said, come on, son, what have you done to me and your father? And the boy turned and said, why are you looking for me? That is Christ speaking as a man. Why are you looking for me? I'm not to be talking about my father's business. But they took him away from there, isn't it? They didn't say, oh, sorry, we don't know. <laughs> no, we don't know it's your father's business, so okay, continue your teaching while we are going. Is that what happened? They took him home. They took that boy home. Boy Jesus, they took him home. And if they are like, I know how they took him home, huh? Eh? <laughs> Unless we'll be touching ground like this. Next time, you'll not do it. Next time. How do you go preach? Don't tell your parents. Sorry, Jesus, no, I'm just. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'll close here today for, with this word. The sign that you know you are God's child is discipline. The scripture said, both in the book of Proverbs chapter 3 and the New Testament, that the child that God loves, he chastises. And he said, if you are without discipline, you are a bastard. The sign that you are God's child is that he will not let you go get away with your sin. And for your sake, he took your sin and burden and laid upon his son. That is the gospel. That you that were wicked may receive the righteousness of Christ in the face of Jesus. And if, as Christian, if we continue to sin against God, he will still discipline us. And those who are not saved indeed are not God's children, and they are also his discipline. And there's no saving discipline for them. And for those who are Christian, there's a saving discipline that corrects us in righteousness and build us up before the Holy God. We well, praise God for the gift of children. This world can continue because of children. This church can continue because of the sound of children. And until Christ comes, we celebrate the gift of children. As a church, we stand against our American ideas of infanticide. The idea that a woman is the owner of her body and that can terminate pregnancy even to full term is demonic, is devilish. America has over 
20 to 30 years, the official abortion rate was over, over 60 million children. We don't. We don't believe in the, in the right, in the absolute right of children. Regardless of child rights acts anywhere as a church, we don't believe. And don't let governments, a day will come. What happened in the West will happen in Nigeria here. Where children become tyrants. And then as a father, as a mother, you are so afraid of your children that if you touch them, you go to jail. And I know of a Calabar man who is in jail in the UK right now because he dared to flog his children, because he dared to send them to Nigeria to learn our culture. They just went to the embassy and then they are, they are in for it right now. They are in for it now. May it not happen here. May it not happen. May, may that day not come where our children become the reason why we live. And then we forget God. And then we are buying them gadgets, iPhone, iPad, uh, what again? Everything. Fizzy drinks, sweets, ice cream, clothes. And our children don't know what is called restraint. They have not learned that you can live with one cloth. So their closet is packed with clothes from Primax, with clothes from M&S, with all manner of things, Turkish, whatever they want. You cook food, they say, no, we don't want Indomie. You cook them spaghetti, they say, we don't want you cook them yam. You are fooling. These children one day become tyrants, and there will be no society, there will be no nation, and there will be no church. Be a father, a biblical father, a biblical mother, do not withhold the rod. And one of these days, if the Lord tarries, we will look back and thank God for what he has done in the life of our children. Amen. Amen. Oh, Father, take this word and use it for your own glory. In Jesus' name we pray.